Hello, everybody. It's Michael Martin. Thanks for being here. So I was going to get a cup of coffee the other day. Mostly I make it at home, but every once in a while, if I'm out and about doing stuff, I grab a tea or a coffee. I like Pete's myself. And, uh, you know, while, while I'm online and you're six feet apart, the line wraps around. So the way it's structured is you end up uh, overhearing people's conversations, whether they're on the phone or they're speaking with the uh, people that they're with, this and that. And one particular guy was sitting on a table outside and he was talking about uh, the stock market. And I couldn't tell what position he was in, but I could tell he was down and he was worried. And I didn't say anything because it's just not my nature to go approach people and start giving people unsolicited advice because um, it could come across as antagonizing, if nothing else. But I was just listening to uh, what he was saying, and it wasn't the name. Like he never, I, I don't even know what instrument he was talking about, but he was down. I know it was an equity because he's talking about earnings, I believe. Well, probably most likely an equity. And the whole thing he kept saying is like, well, I'm just going to wait and see. You know, earnings are coming up and see what's going to happen next week. And I mean, if those aren't the words of someone who's going to the electric chair, I don't know what. Because, you know, now it's over. Uh, you know, at the time it was it was late last week. So we're into the week now that they were going to wait and see. So I wonder where that person is right now, where he is. And I was just starting to think like, man, when you get to the point where you know when it's time to fish and when it's time to cut bait, you really got something going for yourself. I mean, that to me is one of the hardest things to do is to say, hey, I've put all this work in. I have a portfolio or several names that I own. I have risk I'm taking it home overnight, over the weekend. But when the moment comes that I have to offset the risk, that I can do so willfully without any hesitation, without any regrets, without any fears, without any second guessing, you know, you're really doing what you need to be doing, you know, to manage risk. And you can't let your level of frustration let you put your guard down because, you know, you're getting whipsawed where you're buying breakouts or you're getting into names and there's no follow through. That might go on for quite some time. So you can make up in your mind right now how you want to handle that and just say, hey, we're in that type of environment. If I get my signals, I'm going to put in my stops. And if the stops get hit and I get liquidated, then that's just the way that it's going to go. And if you're having trouble processing your feelings around frustration, you could trade smaller so that this way when it happens as frequently as it likely will, you're losing less money. But I think the most important thing about the mindset of all of this is when it's Friday after the close and you're sitting there saying, hey, I believe the guy was in a losing position and he was like, well, let's just wait and see for next week. And, you know, earnings are coming up. To me, that's not a strategy. That's hope. That's coping. That sounds like he's going through like the friggin' five stages of grief. And, uh, you know, I've had positions work against me, obviously, so I'm not sitting here poking fun. But in the ever-evolving moment of now, the price is really all that you have. And 
there's a million other people out there who are thinking about where the stock is now to where they want to buy it, where they might have to offset it with a protective stop, or where they might enter the market and add the risk. But if it starts to work against you, you know, next week doesn't exist. All you have is the moment of now and the price. And only those two things can help you manage the risk. The ex-ante expectation of what the hell's going to happen next week is uh, wishful thinking and can bring in, you know, elements of hope because it's undefined. It's not predictable. And as if you haven't heard me say it before, human beings think they're terribly bright. Everyone has above average intelligence. But if you read any of the books about prediction, human beings have proven to be very bad at prediction. So when you get into this concept of hope, what you're really doing is deferring the feeling that you don't want to feel today to sometime in the future where things might actually be worse. And then you're forced to have to do something. But then at that point, you could end up losing a lot more money than you thought you you could or you wanted to. And then that further affects your mindset. So you get into this thing of a bad mindset and it starts to compound and work against you. Whereas even if you put on 10 trades and you got stopped for small losses on all of them, you did the right thing. Frustrating as it might be, equity drawdown as it might be as well, you couldn't have done any better. You're keeping your losses small. And that's, you know... That can't go on for years and years, obviously, but that's a thousand times better than saying, well, I'm not going to do anything today. I'm just going to wait and see. That's a person who doesn't have a plan. And pro money managers have a plan. They know exactly what they're going to do before, during, and after they have the position on. You know, before they're doing their research, the reconnaissance, when the risk is gone, they know what their position size is down to a T. They know where their protective stop is. They, some of them, if it's part of their model, might know exactly where they're going to add the risk. Some of them might even know where they're going to take profits. I mean, there's all shapes and sizes, but all that work is done. They also know that if they get stopped for a loss, they very well may go to their market minder and uh, remove the name from the screen. No sense in looking at pictures of your ex-girlfriends. You know what I'm saying? Like, no hard feelings. Nice people. Didn't work out. Let's move on. So... It does. You can still stay friends too, but don't start getting sucked in. And so, like, we got to get back into this. I want to, you know, keep coming back and dancing with the same people. The thing that you want to stick to is your plan. The names of the of the instruments in and of themselves. Um, um, they are largely just vehicles. They're waves to surf. You know, you have to be that objective about them. When you start buying into the narrative, you can talk yourself into any situation, right? Because the fundamentals, if it's not moving the price, then to me, they don't count on some level, right? Because ultimately, there has to be a catalyst that's going to move the stock higher. So all the fundamentals, if the stock if the stock isn't moving higher, then the fundamentals don't really matter at that point. You know, if you're an investor and you think you want to buy hats, buy straw hats in the winter... I got it. That's certainly one way to go about it. But for me, it's not like buying pullbacks or, or adding names just for the sake of doing it because it's a blue chip name and everyone knows the brand, right? That's not what you do. You don't buy downtrends. You could look at some basic moving averages to help filter the names, you know. Um, there's a lot on the internet for free that you can look up. But the point is, is that when you start saying stuff like, well, we'll just wait and see, Think about how that might resonate with what your overall plan is. Where is there 
an empty line of code that you need to fill in if you come and find yourself saying, well, we're just going to see what happens next week. What is the plan then? So this kind of stuff can help you force yourself to, you know, have a plan, have know what you're doing ahead of time. This can start to alleviate a whole lot of uncertainty, right? Because you don't want to get knocked out and have the thing rally in your face, but you don't know that that's not going to happen. So let's look at a quick case study. If you look at the Tesla chart and you got stopped at like 820 or 800 way back when, then it rallied up to 878 or 880 before it finally traded through 8. And I think it went to 540, 539, something like that. So use that as a case study and say to yourself, look, I'm a buy and hold investor. Would I have been better off getting stopped at 8, letting the thing trade down to 540, even though it's rallied back up into the sevens, you have to remember that the difference between, you know, the $260 difference, right? If I'm doing the math in my head from 800 to 540, that difference is 260, right? So that 260 drop in price contributes to your drawdown. It does not contribute to your, uh, you know, because I look at, when you look at absolute performance and net returns, you have to bifurcate them, okay, and say, which, how is this trade affecting my portfolio? Is it contributing to the drawdown or is it contributing to the upside? Of course, when you net the thing out, it's contributing to both on some way of looking at it. I agree with you if that's what you're thinking. Yeah, we're on the same page. But if you look at your portfolio and you start ranking it from the greatest gain to the greatest loss, something that has a bracket on it, that is what's contributing to the drawdown. And you have to keep those numbers small. You see? So you really have to be of two minds. How do you manage the risk when it's going against you? How do you manage the risk when things are working for you? There's really two ways to think of it in that regard. You know, if it's going down, I guess in the best world, your biggest loss should also equal your average loss. Because if you're risking the same amount of your equity on every trade and you're able to get stopped and the market doesn't jump against you, and, you know, in a perfect world, think about it. Your biggest loss should be your average loss, which should be the same on every, you know, percentage-wise anyway, right? As your account grows, the number's going to grow, but the percentage is the same. So, and on the upside, you are like, well, where do I add risk and or where do I take my profits? So when you start to see something going against you, you can't get so attached to the narrative of the story or the fundamentals that it would overstep your boundaries on good risk management. Because even really good blue chip names can have good earnings and bad earnings, but if they're going against you, the fact is, is that you're losing money and you have to be proactive. And you can't let the feeling of, oh, well, it might rally back in my face like Tesla did because you don't know what's going to happen even the week after that, right? Again, people stink at prediction. You stopped at 800 or 825, it rallied up to 880, 878, whatever it was, came back down, took out eight, and then it was look out below. So how do you feel? Imagine this, suppose you did, you weren't even in the trade, but play it out. You got in at anywhere between one and 600, you made some money, you got stopped at eight, and the thing went down. If you were buy and hold, all your gains were wiped out, right, over that period of time. But how good do you feel about yourself for having been proactive, getting stopped at 8, even if it rallied in your face and traded down to 540? All that capital that you preserved, you sidestepped that. You see? So use that to motivate you to follow your rules because it's not personal. 
And it doesn't mean you're stupid if you get out too early and it rallies in your face. All you can do is look at the data that you have today. What happens next week doesn't exist. Future doesn't exist. All you have is right now, and all you have right now is the price. So focus on that to help you manage the risk, all right? Thanks very much for being here, and I'll see you tomorrow.